0: Today has been like outfit change day for me. I'm like, okay, is my jacket on right side out? I was doing baptism, then I was not. You can see my like wet footprints running all around the church looking for different articles of clothing. My shoes were in here, my jacket. Anyway, whatever. Whew, I'm here, and I think I'm wearing all my clothes correctly. I'm a little nervous. Anyway, um, it's good to be here. I'm so excited about today because I get to share one of my favorite um, parts of the Bible, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and a story that's often forgotten or just kind of looked over, but I love this story. It's a beautiful story of a man named Mephibosheth, right? Mephibosheth. I get to say this word over and over today. I tried to think of a cute nickname for him, Cindy. Did you come up with a cute nickname? She was singing on too, so I didn't have to say Mephibosheth, but there's nothing. I mean, what do I call it, Meph or Meph or something? Anyway, so we're talking about Mephibosheth today. If you want to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to be reading starting there. And just to explain where we're picking up at, So, King Saul was the king right now, and his son was Jonathan. Jonathan um, had a son named uh, Mephibosheth. Jonathan and David, David and Goliath David, were best friends. They had an intimate friendship. And so, here we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 4, and it says this. In parentheses, just one verse in between other verses, it says, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. Ugh, right? One verse. Like, let's just picture this, right? Mephibosheth, somebody who's five years old at this time, playing in a field, doing what kids do, maybe hanging out in the palace because his grandpa was the king and his dad was a soldier and they were out fighting. He was playing. His life was normal. Everything was okay. He could run. He could walk. He could play. And then one moment, he gets news that his dad and his grandpa have just been killed. In one moment, his life changes. And then, if that's not enough, Panic ensues, right? Because if King Saul has been killed and his son Jonathan has been killed, then who is next in line to be king? Mephibosheth. So panic ensues. We have to get him out of here because they are coming to kill us. So the nurse picks up Mephibosheth and takes off running, right? Here he is, an orphan boy who's just found out like his dad, his grandpa has been killed. Now he's running for his life, and his nurse trips and falls, and he becomes crippled. Other scriptures say that he was lame in both feet. So here we are, and he's now can't walk. He's broken both of his legs, and it's not like they can call 911, right, and be like, hey, can you come out here, right? No, they pick him up, and they keep running, until they get to a place where he is safe, where they are so far removed that they believe the enemy cannot get to him. Basically, they ran until he was what? In like witness protection, right? They ran until like the enemy can't find us here. In one moment, his life went from living in a palace to being a king's son, the heir of the throne, to living in no man's land, lame in both feet. Crippled. In one moment, as a five year old little boy, his life was changed. In one verse, he lost his father, his grandfather, his home, and his ability to walk. Just a little verse in chapter four, a single thing in parentheses. If you look in this passage of scripture, it's not even talked about in the verse before or the verse after. It's just a moment in parentheses. A side note. But how many of us have had these moments in our life, right? Where one moment in parentheses, one moment changed our life. And the world just goes on, right? Verses keep getting written and we are still living in the parentheses moment because it has changed our life. A seemingly unnoticed event, right? But this was the event of Mephibosheth's life. It's the event where his world was flipped upside down. The moments when our life is flipped upside down, right? Where we went from the palace to maybe no man's land. A foreigner, broken, unknown, in someone else's city. We've all felt like this. Man, I used to live here and now I live here. I was once strong in the air of a king and now I find myself barely able to walk and I don't know where I'm at. Alone and crippled, we've all had those moments. Like the A, D, and B, C, right? The moment before the event and the moment after the event, right? My family, you could, noticeable difference. There is my family before my grandpa passed away, and then there is my family after my grandfather passed away. Different families, same people, a very different family. We have that, right? Maybe this is who you were before the heart attack, and this is now who you are after the heart attack. One moment. Maybe this is who you were before cancer, This is who you were after cancer. A moment that changes your life. So here we are. Mephibosheth had his moment. And then there's David. David has now become king. David, the David who killed Goliath, the David who is strong and who is mighty and who is honorable, is the king. But. David and Jonathan were best friends, but David and Saul were very much opposed to each other, or Saul was opposed to David, which we will talk about later. But here we have David. He's reigning as king. And we skip over to Second Samuel chapter 9. If you want to turn there or you want to look up at the screen, it says, David then asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan being his friend. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba at your service, he replied. And the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Isn't it interesting that he even mentions that? Why is that necessary? It's almost as if, well, there's someone, but... He's not probably what you think. Or, yeah, there's someone, but he can't be a warrior for you. There's someone, but he might be a burden. You may be expecting a warrior, but he's broken. But I love it because what does David do? He says, where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answers, he's at the house of Makur, son of Amiel in Lodabar. The name Lodabar itself means no pasture, no communication, no bread. The name in itself basically means he was in no man's land. There was nothing there, no communication, no bread, no pasture, nothing. He was way out there. And in verse 5 it says, so King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makur, son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. I think many times when we read this passage, we think, man, Mephibosheth must have been so excited that the king was summoning him to the palace, right? Like, what is in store for Mephibosheth? But Mephibosheth, his whole life had been hiding from the palace his whole life he had been on the run from the king because when he was picked up at five-year-old when he was crippled what was he told they're coming for you because you are next in line so here he is being summoned by the king the one whom he had been hiding from the moment had come the king had found him but his dad Jonathan was friends with David. And so while Mephibosheth may have been expecting a sword, that's not what David had. And in verse 7 it says, Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Man, it's almost as if Mephibosheth, living isolated and alone for so long, had begun to believe this lie of who he was. Because, look, Mephibosheth was the grandson of a king. And a prominent king. A powerful king. He was the heir to the throne. He had spent the first five years of his life in the palace. And here he is saying, who are you that you should notice a dead dog like me? He had forgotten who he was. And in verse 9, the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord, the king, commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. Man, he ate at the king's table as one of the king's own sons. But what I love about this is he was a son of a king, right? And here he is, still lame in both feet, still broken from the fall, and he is being restored to a place of honor at the king's table. He expected prison, and he was given a place in the palace. He went from nothing to and was giving a place setting at the king's table, a place of honor. Look, we are Mephibosheth, <laughs> broken by the fall, living isolated and abandoned in a place of nothing from the sin of the world, and we have been sought out and given an undeserved place at the table of the king. We are Mephibosheth. And we are living in Lodabar, and Christ descended from his place of honor and came to rescue us. That's good news when we were expecting a sword, when we maybe rightfully so should have had a sword. He offered us a place at the table. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples in Luke 22, he said, in verse 29, it says, "And just my fa- And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right. To eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Man, look, if you know much about Saul and Jonathan and David's relationship before all of this event, it was drama and chaos. Basically, David killed Goliath for Saul. Saul becomes jealous. There's a song in scripture people used to sing. Man, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. So Saul became very angry, very jealous of what David had, the leadership David had. And while David and Jonathan were best friends, were committed to one another, had an intimate, committed friendship, they were devout to each other and to their families, Saul was very jealous of David and David's authority and leadership and abilities. And so Saul, time and time again, would try to kill David. It's like this, like, Hunger Games meets Jerry Springer, mashed up into one, is what was happening. Like, Saul would go after David, and Jonathan would warn David, so David would run and hide. And then David was given opportunity many times. There was a time when David was standing as Saul was sleeping, standing over Saul with a sword. He could have killed Saul, and he chose not to because he feared the Lord. So here we have Saul continuing trying to kill David throughout Saul's life. And then Saul would, like, apologize and be like, I'm so sorry you caught me. I was trying to kill you. And then he would go back. And this, like, kept happening. And then we have David, who could have killed Saul and never did. It was chaos. David would have been justified to not honor Saul's grandson. (laughs) Right? Like, you're the man that has attempted to murder me several different occasions when I have done nothing but been faithful to you, been honest to you. I killed a giant for you. And you kept trying to take my life, and now I'm going to honor your grandson, right? That's, that's justified if he would not have sought out Mephibosheth. That's a justified action. But what did he do? Because of Jonathan, he sought out Mephibosheth. But there was Jonathan in the midst of all of this chaos and mess. and let me tell you today, but Jesus Christ. Man, in the midst of this chaos, a broken relationship between us and God, the King of Kings, there was Jesus. And he is a mediator for us. That while there has been chaos and division, that he has come to mediate The relationship between us and God to make a way for God to get to us and us to God. Many of us, though, see the king the way Mephibosheth probably did, right? Man, I've been running from this king my whole life. He's angry. He has bad things for me. There's no way he has good in store for me. I'm Saul's grandson. They killed Saul. They killed my dad, Jonathan. Now I'm living in Lodabar. That is many times our relationship, right, of the king. We see God through a lens of the past, shame. Maybe we see him through the fall, through that moment when our life's changed, our hurts, our brokenness. We feel like God's at odds with us. Man, God has never had anything good for me. My parents were killed. My grandparents were killed. And then I end up crippled in both feet. Man, God has nothing good for me. And we began to see God through this lens. But there was Jesus. There was Jesus who died for us to be the mediator for us. Many of us, we spend our life hiding from the wrath of the king. And we become isolated and we're living in a land of Lodabar, right? Right? Like, I am isolating myself. I'm putting myself over here for safety because I don't know what that king, that God is going to do. So I'm going to hang out and witness protection, right? Where he can't find me. (laughs) Because I'm safe as long as I don't encounter the king. I'm safe as long as I don't encounter God. But we end up, what happens is we end up with a very distorted view of who the king is. Right? It's very easy from afar to come up with our own, like, reasoning for who people are, right? It's very easy on Facebook for me to have a distorted view of what your family is like, because I'm not in your home interacting with your family. I'm in my home interacting with Facebook, right? When I'm living in Oklahoma, I can easily have a very distorted view of what's happening with my friends in California, because I'm not sitting in California in their living room in a relationship with them, I'm sitting in my home in Oklahoma. It's the same with the Bible, right? Some of us end up with very distorted views of what that says. Because it sits on a shelf, and we sit in our, on our couch, and we don't interact with it. And then we end up having a very distorted view of what those words really say. They must be bad news for me. I can't open that Bible because what's it going to say about what I just did? What am I going to have to live with if I open that up? Right? It becomes very distorted. The less we're in relationship with people, the more distorted our view becomes of them. And it's the same with God. The less we are in relationship with God, the worse, the more distorted our view of him becomes. Look, if we are living in Lodabar, and our king is sitting in the palace, and we continue to hang out in Lodabar, we are going to come up with a very distorted view that God is not for us. That God lives there, and I live here. That God has everything and only bad things for me. That God's in the palace, and some people are in there, but here I am, living in Lodabar, no bread, no pasture, lame in both feet, hiding from my life. The closer we get in relationship, the times where we sit at the table. Man, it's easy to have a false perception of the palace when we sit in prison, right? It's easy to sit in prison and think, oh, well, the palace. Oh, yeah. Right? But we don't have to live in Lodabar and have a false perception of our king, right? We can go... Have relationship with the King of Kings and look, it's time that we come face to face up close with who the king really is. No matter how scary and look I say this, like I am not perfect. there have been times in my life where I have been scared to ask God what he thinks about that. Scared. What if I don't get the answer of that like that I want? What if he tells me I can't be forgiven? What if, you know like our minds go crazy? What if I open up the Bible and it says that I was wrong? (laughs) But the more I've got close and face-to-face with God, I have found a good, good king. A gracious king. One who has prepared a place for me and for you at his table. Man, growing up, we used to always have place settings or table settings. I don't know if you guys did this, but at my grandparents' house, We would all come, the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, and we would always have, like, name tags at every seat, right? And I loved it because I was like, man, I have a place at this table, right? It sounds a little corny, but even as a little girl, like, it instilled in me that I have a seat at this table that I was thought about. I'm not a second thought. I was planned for. They knew I was coming They're ready for me. I have a place of authority here. I belong here just like my parents belong here, just like my grandparents belong here. I belong here. This is my table. This is my seat. These are my people, right? It communicated that I was thought about and prepared for. I also loved making the place setting. I was the girl, which we probably all have these, the daughters or the sons that can actually write good when the rest of them just are a mess. I was the one that I couldn't wasn't good in school or anything, but I was really creative. So any arts project was me. So I would love it. Like, right, you color these turkeys, you make them really pretty, and then you write out like mom and dad, and I would make them look beautiful. And I think I loved that even more than having a place setting because I loved people being like, ooh, I get to sit here? You know, and then I got bragged about because I made that place setting. But what's so cool is that we have a place setting for us that was written by Jesus Christ himself. The most beautiful place setting with your name on it, written in the blood of the Lamb. Man, you have a place setting at the table with the king. God's written it out. He sent his son to make a place setting for you at his table, even while you were in Lodabar, right? Even while you are sinners, look, if you're in the room today and you're not even sure about this God thing, even in the midst of that, God sent his son to make a place setting for you at his table. He loves you. He's thought about you. Believe me, he's thought about you. He sent his son to die. He has a place setting for you and for me, and he loves us. 1 John 3 1 says the father has loved us so much that he calls us children of God, and we really are his children. I love this, because Mephibosheth really was a son of the king. But then at one point, he's like bowing to the king saying, how would you think of a dead dog like me? But he's the son of a king, and I love this. God's saying, I love you so much that you are children of God, and you really are. You really are children of God of God. We were all created in his image. In Luke twenty-two, twenty-nine 29 says this, and just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Man, Mephibosheth sat at the table as one of the king's own sons. Jesus has a place setting for us. He's made a way for us to be at the king's table, eating with him as sons and daughters of the king. And that king is good. His table is a table of grace. But if we stay in Lodabar, we will never experience it. We've got to get to the table that has a name for us sitting there, a seat for us. And even though we are opposed to him, right? Even though maybe for generations our family has been at odds with the king. But Jonathan. But Jesus. Even though it seems like he's against us We are welcome at the table. Man, when we sit at the king's table, our sins, our fallenness, our brokenness is covered by Jesus. He offers us a table of grace. And I love this because when Mephibosheth rolled up to the table, you know what? He wasn't lame anymore because the table covered his disability. And no matter what it is, look, all of us in the room this morning come fallen and broken before the Lord. Every single one of us. But you know what? When we pull up to the king's table, we can sit there with all authority, all honor, as children of God. We get to sit at that table with confidence. Right? I'm still lame. But, man, I'm sitting at the king's table because I am a child of God. And I have a place of authority, a name setting for me here. I was thought about pursued, sought after, we get to sit at the king's table of grace, covered by Jesus. Man, when Mephibosheth sat at that table, he wasn't seen for his brokenness, his ailments. You know what he was seen for? Jonathan. When David, I'm sure, looked at Mephibosheth across the table, who did he see? Jonathan. His relationship with Jonathan. When God looks at us across the table, you know who he sees? Jesus. His son, who he loves so much, right? He sees Jesus. His father, Mephibosheth's father's friendship made a way, and Jesus' death and resurrection has made a way for us to be covered at the table. His lame feet were covered as he sat at the table as a person of position of authority, at a rightful place. He had his name on a place setting. Look, and we get to sit at God's table. Not because we aren't broken, because we've accepted Christ's invitation to the table. It's that simple. Look, and we can sit there confidently as sons and daughters because the King is good and Jesus has made a way. My prayer this morning is that we would understand that we are loved. We are so loved. You are so loved that God sent his son to pay the ultimate sacrifice so we could sit at the table, that our place setting wouldn't sit empty. Because there's a lot of place settings at this table, and the chair is empty. We have a choice, a choice to come to the table, and a choice to stay at the table and eat. We all have been there or know those people or we are those people. We're all these people at times, right? We come to the table and we like, okay, bye, right? That's a little intimidating, that table. I'm not comfortable at that table, right? But we can sit at the table and we can stay confidently at the table in relationship with the king. And that we would not continue to live in Lodabar, the place the false in us, right, distant from the king, when Christ has come to pursue us, that we would show up at the table, get face to face with God, and let him show us who we really are. This morning, if you, you know who you are, man, I have been there. Even last Sunday, I was repenting of, like, some of the views I have of God. Let me just share this. I wasn't going to share this, but last Sunday, I was just worshiping, and I always, like, worship looking up, and in a moment, God said, I'm in front of you. Look forward. I'm fighting with you. And it, like, changed my perspective. This whole week when I've been praying, I've been praying like this, like looking at God, like you're with me in this. And I began to understand that I have a weird view of the Lord sometimes, that he's, like, up there, and I'm down here, and I'm just his tool, and he's using me. And if bad things happen to me, it's just because he needs, He wants the glory. So who cares about Callie? Because, you know, like, those things And God has begun to spoke, I'm here with you, fighting with you, fighting beside you, right? But that takes being in relationship with God for him to begin to change those wrong mindsets that we have of him. Because we've been living in Lodabar. (laughs) We live in a fallen and a broken world, and people die of cancer, and people don't always get healed, and bad things happen to very good people in Lodabar, and we're sitting there thinking, I'm lame in both feet. The king is not good. But when we get to the king's table, we begin to realize he is a king of grace, of goodness, of kindness. He hasn't forgotten who I was. He remembers that my dad is Jonathan. He remembers me. He sought me out. He cares about me. But we've got to be sitting at the table in relationship with the king. We don't have to live in Lodabar. Look, I can only wonder what it was like for Mephibosheth to sit at that table because, I mean, his dad and his grandpa died at five years old, right? So what did he remember? You know, like, what are the memories of him living in that situation? What are the memories he had of his dad at five years old? What are the memories he had of his grandfather? What are the memories he had of David, right? Because David was friends with Jonathan. What's the memories that he had? And then when he came back to the palace and was sitting at that table as a man who now had a son, so he had been in Lodabar for a long time. And now he's sitting at that table, I can only imagine what those conversations were like for him. As he began to learn about his own father, right? Did David share stories of him and Jonathan? Did David share stories about his grandpa Saul and his dad Jonathan and things they used to do together? But you know what's awesome about it? Mephibosheth, I'm sure, learned about who David was, but he also learned about who he was at that table. He learned, man, I'm actually the lineage of a king. Man, I haven't always been lame. I'm starting to remember who I am. Man, And isn't that good? When we come to the king's table, we're going to learn who Jesus is, who God is, that they are kind, that they are good. You know what also? We're going to learn who we are, who we really are, what's really said about us. In relationship with the king, it takes relationship. Sitting at the table, learning about God, and learning about who you are through God. Don't leave that chair empty. And today, if you find yourselves in Lodabar, look, maybe you feel like you have been picked up by some nurse and taken to Lodabar and dropped off, right? That you, life has just seemingly picked you up, crippled you, and dropped you in no man's land. If you are living in Lodabar, let me tell you, Mephibosheth lived in Lodabar for a long time. We can't deny that. But let me tell you what he did not do. That was not his home. Scripture says that what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I love this because it doesn't say, though I make my home in the shadow of death, God, you're with me. No, no, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We do not make our residence in the valley of the shadow of death. If you are living in Lodabar this morning, do not make, fight it, fight the urge, do not make your home in Lodabar. Look, you can pitch a tent. You can understand that this season might be longer than expected, but that is not your home. Your home is in the palace. God has good things for you. Do not believe the lie of the enemy that Lodabar is all there is for you. Because you are a son and daughter of the king created in the image of God himself. So though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. We do not stay. In the valley of the shadow of death. Because we are children of the king. If you are find yourself there today, head towards the king and keep heading there. Scripture says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you feel like you are in no man's land, that you are not hearing from the Lord, that you feel like you have been picked up and dropped off somewhere foreign, keep seeking the king because there is a chair waiting for you. Do not give up. The king has come so far to pursue you, to pursue me. Seek him. And lastly this morning, if you are at the table, don't you take it for granted. If you are sitting at the table with the king of kings, talk with the king. If you're sitting there able to have relationship with God, have relationship with God. Get to know him. Ask him questions about your family, who you are, what he says about you, what he remembers about you. I can just imagine Mephibosheth sitting at this table being like, tell me more, right? I want to know my dad. I want to know Jonathan, right? We should sit at the king's table. Tell me more about Jesus. I want to know more about you, God. Uh, Tell me about me. What was I like when I was five? How was I hurt? Right? We get to be in relationship with the king of kings. And if we are at that table, do not take it for granted. And if you are sitting at the king's table, start working. If you're not, and if you are, keep doing it. Work in authority. Not everyone's at the king's table. And if you're at the king's table, man, you have authority. It says Mephibosheth ate as the son of the king. We get to eat as sons and daughters of the king, so we have the authority as sons and daughters of the king. So if you are sitting at the king's table this morning, man, start acting like the king. Do what the king does. And you know what King David did? He said, Who's not at this table that I can show God's kindness to, right? Who's not here? Where are the empty seats? So if you're sitting at the table this morning, look around because I promise you when I look around in my mind and I picture the king's table, there are names that there are empty seats and I know those people personally, right? Names written in the blood of our savior with an empty chair. Man, would we be King David who says, man, who is not here? Who is living in Lodabar that I can get here? Who has a distorted view of God that he is mean and not good that I can show God's kindness to? We have to start working in the authority of the king. Because we have been given a place setting with our name on it at the king's table. And so has everyone else (laughs) because we are all created in the image of God. God's blood, Christ died for everyone, right? But we get to make a choice if we sit at that table or if we don't. And we also have the authority to help bring people to that table. I love it. King David, he knew his authority. Man, who can I show God's kindness to as a king, right? As a king, I have this privilege, this honor, this authority. I'm in a place where I can bless another. So who can I bless and show God's kindness to? Look, I don't care what your finances are like this morning. If you are a son and daughter of the king, you have privilege as a son and daughter of the king. And you can say, man, I am privileged. Who can I share this blessing with? Who else can I help bring to the table of the king? Because they have a rightful place just like I do. Let's fill the seats of the table. Let people into relationship with the king. Look, even if they are far. I love it when they're like, well, he's in no man's land. He's basically in witness protection. David's like, okay, go get him. When we were here Dying in our sin, God said, okay, Jesus, go. So no matter how far that person, when you think about your table and you think about that place setting, names come to your mind. No matter how far they are, no matter if they are in Lodabar and there is nothing there, no matter if they have forgotten and have a distorted view of who God is, no matter if they are lame in both feet and they are difficult to get to the table, go to them. Act like a king, because our king died for us. He came to us, he went to us, and he offers us a table of grace. As we close this morning in Matthew 25 35, it says this for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink i was a stranger and you invited me into your home man may we take up our seat at the king's table if you've kind of been like you know like half in the seat and half out the out the seat get in the seat at the king's table in relationship with him ask him questions you have the right to you're sitting at the table Ask him, talk with him, be in relationship with him. Keep learning who he is and who you are. And with the authority of the Father, may we bring other people to the table. Man, that we would have a desire and a hunger for those empty table settings to be filled. Because people matter. Matter so much that our king descended down to us to save us and to save them, and them, and them, and them, and them.